Let's read tonight. I'm going to try and do this um, so that we can sing in response tonight. So be ready for that, okay? 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. One of Jesus' closest friends, Peter, is writing to alert us of the urgency of the hour. Uh, He's writing a letter, and it's amazing that he wrote this now, nearly 2,000 years ago, about 1950 years ago. Well, I guess maybe 1940 years ago he wrote this. And uh, he's writing to alert us that the end of all things is near. So you might think, well, he was wrong because it was nearly 2,000 years ago that he said that to the people at that time. But they were in the last days, this last sort of chapter, this last season. We're definitely closer. Will it be another 100 years before the end? Maybe. Will it be 500 Maybe, I doubt it, but, I, but maybe. Will it be much shorter than that? It would not surprise me with the things that are taking place, the fulfillment of prophecy, and the gospel going around the world, as has been said. But here Peter says, the end of all things is near, therefore, in light of that, be clear-headed for prayer. Be clear-headed about it, that the end is near, So be clear-headed knowing that so that you can pray, that you can pray as you ought to. And, he says, bearing in mind the hour that we're in, set as highest priority the maintaining of fervent love for one another. Now, from the very beginning of this book, Peter says this. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who reside as aliens or God's people scattered, God's people who live as, one translation says, who live as strangers in the world, or another translation says, who live as foreigners in the world. We're part of another kingdom now. We're, we're scattered throughout all these other places that he names. And he says, to the church, to the people of God, set as your highest priority, maintaining or set above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. I know when pastors do this too much, it gets annoying, but I want you to just say one another. Yeah, love for one another. Okay. Love is natural to God, right? It's natural to Him. Uh, the, the love of God is acknowledged hundreds of times in the Bible. And in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, another one of Jesus' uh, 12 disciples, but one of that part of that inner core of three, Peter, James, and John, John writes, pl- he states plainly, love is from God, and the person who does not love does not No, God. Why? Because God is love. 
person who doesn't love doesn't know God because God is love. God is love. It's his nature. It's his nature. He can't be otherwise. He loves not because he has to, except he has to because it's his nature. He, but he's not, he's not under uh, some command or law to do so. He does it because it's his nature. And we humans were created in his likeness. We were created in his likeness. Love was in our nature, but the likeness of God, our God-like nature, was defiled and corrupted by sin. Not completely erased, but corrupted irreparably. Love was humanly natural, and we see glimpses of it, of course, but it's not as it was. But for those who are made new, those aliens, those foreigners in the world, those made new in Christ or born again by the Spirit in response to the good news of Christ, for them, love is part of our nature again. It's part of our essence. For us who receive Jesus by faith, love is in our nature. It's in our nature. Do we still sin? Yeah. But is that Our nature, our new nature. No, my new nature is to obey God. My new nature is rightness with God. I go against my nature when I sin. It's my new nature in Christ is to do right, is to live holy. My new nature is to love. That's the nature that God's put in us. How do I know that? Well, I'm I'm glad you asked. I'll tell you, when we believe in Jesus, we turn from our life of sin and we get a new life and a new nature. We're made right with God. We're not just an old sinner saved by grace. We were old sinners and we got saved by grace, got a new nature. And the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in us. The same spirit that lived in Jesus comes to live in us in constant, close fellowship with us. He's there. And so if the Holy Spirit is there in us, love is there. Amen? That's natural. If he's there, love is there because he is love. The Holy Spirit is God. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's there. Romans 5.5 5 assures us that the love of God is poured out within our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. In fact, it speaks it in past tense. It says, the love of God has been poured out within our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. If you've got the Holy Spirit in you, You've got a new nature, and you've got love abiding in you. It's in your nature to love. Amen? Somebody say amen. Like amen. Amen. Of course, we don't yet love perfectly because we're still constantly in a battle with the untransformed aspects of our soul and the work of dark forces in the fallen world. You know that, right? And God says many things in his word to change how we think and how we behave. He says a lot of things about... Have you ever heard someone say, I don't like religion, I don't like Christianity because I don't like do's and don'ts. 
But then you read the Bible, and there's a lot of do's and don'ts in there, right? Like, it isn't all that. It's about Christ. I yield to Christ. I'm made new. But there are do's and don'ts, right? There are things it says don't do this, and other things it says do this. But it's not like we do things and don't do things, and we earn salvation. No, we get it as the free gift through Christ. But then there are things to do and things not to do. Why? Because some of them go contrary to the nature of God. We don't do those things. They go contrary to love. They go contrary to God's holiness. We don't do those things. We are working to not do that. Now, I think there's a real encouragement in this. Here's Peter saying things to people in this letter was written they believe somewhere like maybe between 62 and 64 AD. So, you know, this is a long time ago. He was saying, and actually the whole Bible is like this, Peter was saying things to people then that are the same as to us. So if we fall into the trap of thinking, oh man, the early church, they were so spiritual. Those people, oh gosh, they had the the original apostles and some of them, they even saw Jesus and oh man, they just were so spiritual. Uh Uh-uh. They were just like, they'd fit right in in our church. They would fit in. You know why? Because they have some some weaknesses and some sin patterns and some faults and stuff, just like the person next to you. (laughs) Not you, but that other person, the one next to you. Um, They're just like us. So I think there's an encouragement there that, hey, God's been saying these things in his word for millennia. It's like there's stuff to correct, stuff to renew, stuff to adjust, stuff to work on, stuff to stop doing, stuff to start doing, this kind of thing. He speaks these things, and they were just like us. They were challenged. They didn't just get it one time, and boy, they all you know skipped through their Christian existence without anything. And for the church, which is who he's writing to here, they were like us. They were people like us, and there were things like, I think it's in uh, uh, Galatians or Colossians, I'm forgetting now, where Paul even writes, and he says, he names two women in his church, and he says, talk to them to get along. It's like, what? Yeah, they were just like us. They were just like us. They, whatever the thing was, because, and then he says, because both of them have been so beneficial for the, the, the progress of the gospel. They're both, they're, they're mighty women, and, and yet something was causing some kind of friction. And he's saying, no, the, people were just like us. I think that's an encouragement that we didn't just get the most carnal, and you know, hey, there's things going on in our generation that are really carnal, but, It isn't like we just got a different kind of humanity than what they had. No, they were the same kind of creatures as the creatures that are behind you and in front of you and beside you. Just look at the creature beside you for a second. Yeah, just smile at him. (laughs) Amen. They had, like us, they were challenged 
to love one another, to keep fervent in their love for one another, and to cover a multitude of sins. Why do you think he said it? Because they have the same thing. And that word, I didn't mention it last week, but it actually is pointing to a passage in the Old Testament. He's, when Peter's saying this, he's got in mind Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12, which says this, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. Does it mean that we don't see them? No, love is not blind. Love sees, but what does it do? Hey, there's a bigger picture. There's a greater good, and I can get past that because I know that you see my sin too and need to cover it. You need to love me and cover mine like I need to cover yours. It's that same kind of thing. They needed to hear this and be reminded and prodded and challenged uh, just like us. They had to take up their cross and crucify the flesh just like us. And they had to do what Jesus values and what he commands. And his command was love one another. That was his command. Do it. And he was speaking it to who? To his disciples, not to, the, not to the wildest sinners way out there somewhere. He was speaking it to his little inner core. Love one another. We were made in God's likeness with the capacity to love and the capacity to receive love. Thank God. Oh, how enriching it is. Amen? You get loved It's so enriching. And he made us with that capacity. That's God's doing. But it's going to take effort and work and forgiveness and reliance on God's grace as we remain in this fallen world. But love is a game changer. It's worth the effort, worth the work, worth the, the forgiveness. For each of us personally and for the church, for us as a people, Amen? Okay, with that in mind, Peter shows Peter shows how that fervent love might be, ex, might be lived out, how it might be expressed. I want to read uh, 1 Peter verses 9 to 11. So he's just said, the end of all things is near, be, of sound, uh, be, be clear-headed for prayer, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9, be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. As good stewards of the manifold or multifaceted grace of God. Whoever speaks, let him speak as it were the utterances of God. Whoever serves, Let him do so as by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Okay. Be hospitable to one another. Employ your gifts your gift or your gifts in serving one another. He goes on to say, whoever speaks, that's teaching, evangelizing, maybe research, prophesying, whoever's doing those things, whoever serves, 
One word, this, this one word is representing a host of things, including hospitality, administration, giving, uh, building, cleaning, uh, visiting and comforting people, writing maybe, singing and music, creativity, creative works of art, uh, prayer, uh, dealing with technology. Uh, you know, thank God they didn't have to deal with computers back then, but thank God for those who do today. Helping the poor, delivering goods, and so on and so on and so on and so on. As many things as you can think of, that's what's under the heading of serving. He's, he, uh, Peter speaks about this and he says, whoever does this, he's, he's saying, do it as a steward of the gift that God's given you. What Peter says could be applied in a general sense, as in, we serve everyone. But again, he's writing to the people of God. He says so in the first line of the letter. And then here he says, keep fervent in your love, for one another, as, as, as I said last week and a moment ago, but it isn't, he, he doesn't stop there. He says, also, right here, be hospitable to one another. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another he keeps touching on this and it sounds like okay is it just that we're dealing with only the church and we don't care what happens no of course not but within the church these gifts get exercised they get proven they get they find an expression we might end up with a gift where we're someone who speaks more on the outside than inside. Maybe someone who's a business person, who's good with numbers, and thank God they're in the church using that gift. And maybe they're going to do it far and wide in other places too. That happens. But within the church, the love of God, the hospitality, the serving, those things need to happen within here. We function and we serve using those gifts with one another. And it sounds like, again, oh, that just sounds like a holy huddle. We just keep it within our little group. No, we don't just keep it there. But Jesus himself said, love one another. And he said, by this, the world will know that you're my disciples. The world will see the love you share with one another. And they'll know you're my disciples. Why? Well, I don't know. That's why he did it that way. He brings his people together and it gets practiced here and we stand in covenant. And I want to say I, I appreciate covenant people in the church. People who say, we're walking together. We're walking together enough that when things are uncomfortable, we work some things out and we're going forward. Like in a marriage, right? Where Rose and I have an end in mind even before there's a conflict. So that when there's a conflict, it's like certain things aren't on the table. We, we've got an end goal in mind. And there's, so we're in covenant. And so I don't know how it's going to work out. Probably I'm going to apologize and <laughs> repent for being selfish. And she is too. And then we're going forward. Amen? Remember that time, honey, that we did? We both? <laughs> that one time. 
No, that's, of course, not true. In the church, it's the same. We're in covenant. We know where we're going to end up together in heaven forever. And it, it paves the way for us to say, okay, we know there's an end result that's good in the eyes of God. And so when we come into the conflict, it's not like in the world where somebody, I know someone very well who a couple of years ago had a, a pretty mild conflict with somebody at work. And when this young man called to apologize, to say, listen, I'm sorry. This, I, the person did not know how to accept an apology at all. And he just said, don't ever call me at home. And wouldn't, wouldn't even accept it. Like, like, couldn't even take like an apology. And it was like, wow, that better never be in the church, amen? We know how to repent. We better know how. And we know how to receive someone and forgive someone when they do, amen? We do that. This stuff, one another, one another, one another. He says, love one another. Be hospitable to one another. Serve one another. There's something important about what we do in the church, within the the borders or the boundaries. I don't want to say the walls of the church, but within the relational community of the church. One another is important. And again, the watching world will recognize us as Jesus followers when we're walking in love with one another and serving one another and expressing our love for one another. Amen? In these different ways. And that's what's happening here when Peter says, Above all, be fervent in your keep keep fervent in your love for one another, and then he starts to show how that love is practically going to be expressed. Be hospitable to one another. Speak, serve. He's talking use your gift that's part of the grace of God to serve the people of God. He's showing us a very practical way to express that Fervent love for one another. Which if you remember last week, the word fervent is not a word that means heat. There is a word fervent that means heat, like that zealous. This word means a muscle that is fully stretched, fully tight, like you're reaching with everything in you. That's what that love means, which speaks to effort again. Full effort, nothing held back, okay? All right. Peter is speaking to the church, but the things he says have to be received and applied personally. He's speaking to us as a group, but he's also, the the application has to be personal and individual. Each of us bears the responsibility to keep fervent in our love. And now in verse 10, he says, each one of us has received a special gift, each one. There's all of us together, but now he says, each one has received a special gift. Everyone say, each one, including me. Okay, do you know, do you acknowledge that you too have a special gift from God? Do you believe you do? You, you have some kind of a gift, even if you're thinking, oh, I don't know what it is. 
I'm jealous of people who have certain kinds of gifts. And I, at times, look down on the gifts that I have looking at somebody else's. And that does nobody any good. God's given each of us gifts and they need to be, look at the word that he uses here, employed. I love that. Each of us has a special gift. That includes each of us in this room. Then he says, employ it. Employ that gift in serving one another. What does it mean when someone employs you? He gives you a job to do. He puts you to work. Or she puts you to work. Or if you employ someone... It means that you put them to work. And here he's saying, you have a gift. Don't you look down on yourself and say, no, somehow God missed me. Because that's not the truth. God's a God of truth. He's given something to everybody. He's given some kind of gift in line with his grace. It may not be the one that you look and think, wow, I want the gift that you know, somebody else had or has. But you put your gift to work where you are in serving the one another of the church and it'll be an expression of fervent love to them and it'll start doing something. You will get back. You will receive dividends from employing that that gift. It'll pay back. God is watching to see, then he uses this word. He's watching to see how we steward the grace of God that's given to us. What does steward mean? A steward is like a manager. Somebody who takes something, it's not theirs, but they take it and they manage it. They, you know, I'm a steward of this person's affairs. It means I'm a manager. Uh, the stuff doesn't belong to them, but they take it and they use it. This gift that God gives We steward it, we employ it, and it pays dividends. And we employ it in the benefit of God's people. Everyone is gifted. Say it, everyone is gifted. Everyone's a minister. That's right. Every one of us. Every one of us is called, and you know, minister is just somehow a fancy word for serve. Every, you know, maybe it's a little less glamorous to say everyone is gifted, everyone's a servant. You want me to get really offensive? Everyone's, a, everyone's gifted and everyone is a slave of Christ. How do you like that? <laughs> Probably not, but it's true. Everyone's a minister. None of us are to be spectators in the body of Christ. Amen? None of us are to be spectators. God wants us to be His ministers. All of us. Verse 11. Whoever speaks... Let him, let her speak, as it were, the utterances of God. That's, that's a serious responsibility, the utterances of God. Just for a moment, it was about this time of year in 1986, I think it was, that I first preached in the little church I was in in Edmonton 
and the pastor was away, and it was my turn to preach, and I had a sense that this was something that I was going to do. And I had, a couple of people had come, and sort of out of the blue, they prophesied and said the same thing. And Sophie asked me about it the other day. He said, when did you first, um, I forget how she asked it, but when did you first think you were going to be a pastor or something? And I said, well, it, it kind of unfolded in a way that it, it was not like, oh, I'm going to do this or that. It, it was sort of when I first heard a word and someone spoke to me about being in ministry, it was just kind of like, yeah, that sounds right. It just felt like a confirmation of something that was there that maybe I hadn't quite identified. But it was, it was when they said it, it was unusually, I was kind of blasé about it. I mean, I was excited, but it was kind of like, hmm, yeah, I'm, I, I'm expecting that that's the case. But then when it came time to do it, I was, oh God, I hate this. What am I doing? I don't want to talk for you. You know, it's just, I'm crying in the room and I'm just sort of, it took all day of just like, oh God, I didn't realize what this would be like. I don't want to get up and just be spewing my opinions, you know, profound as they are. I, it's like, I don't want to just do that. God, I'm going to stand up and say, this is God's word, and you know, and I'm going to do it. Wow, there better be the fear of God there, right? There better be. And it's like, uh, you know, and for a long time, uh, it was just, it still is. It still is a challenge, especially sometimes. But, uh, you know, where it's like, God, I don't feel like I know where to go and I don't again I don't want to just I what what is your as it says here your utterance what's the word you want to speak in the church and so here he puts this responsibility Peter he would know it he would know what a big deal this is whoever speaks let him let her speak as it were the utterances of God whoever serves no less responsibility, no less reverence, no less weight. Whoever serves in whatever capacity, let him do so as by the strength which God supplies. Uh, The same kind of thing. It's like he's saying, boy, you're going to operate under the strength that God supplies. You're not just going in and, you know, I'm going to clean some toilets and, or, you know, or I'm going to cook a meal or I'm going to, you know, uh, do the slides or something. And it doesn't matter. No, it does. It's all part of the gospel going forward. And we do so with the strength that God supplies. Oh, I'm just hosting a life group. Wow. I want people to come in and encounter Jesus in that life group. That's a big deal. Whatever it is, God's enabling, God's empowering people to do those things, to make coffee, to do whatever. It's something. It's something big in God's eyes, and it's building strong the people of God because we're... He says, employ that gift in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted, manifold grace of God. 
He's supplying that to, for us to, for, to do these practical expressions of fervent love for God and for one another. But wait, the ultimate purpose underlying all of this is, that's like one of those infomercials, but wait, there's more. There is more, and it's glorious. The, the ultimate purpose even behind that. The purpose is to serve one another. Oh, that's great. No, that's not even far enough. Look at what Peter says here. The ultimate purpose underlying all of it, uh, of this service, is faithfulness to God. Back to verse 11. He says here, you're, you, let, him, let the person do so serve by the strength which God supplies so that in all things... God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. And then he says it. Amen. Let it be. This is Peter the Apostle saying, nope, serving one another, the church is great. It's it's necessary. But behind that, the ultimate goal is the glory of God. If we don't have fervent love for the church, we don't serve the church, we don't express it in the church, God loses some of, no, he loses some of that glory. He doesn't actually, God doesn't lose anything himself. He's perfect within himself, but in the world, he doesn't get that glory that we could give him, that we can bring. By us being people who are living like this, who are, who are taking the word and saying, God, shape me by it. God, uh, find in me that stretched out, um, full effort, fervent love for the body of Christ. Find in me somebody who's putting my gift to work to make the church look like Jesus. Because the true love of God is in it. So that somebody else is going to look and say, I want to be loved like that. I want to love like that. I want to do something worthwhile like that. Loving people. I want to do something like this. Like Franklin Graham putting this whole uh, program together where last year I forget how many million boxes went out. It was an incredible number. And I think there were three quarters of a million went out from Canada alone. And in the States it was a staggering number. I can't even remember. But somebody put that together. Why? Because there's kids somewhere that he's thinking, you know, we may never, most of us will never meet them, but somebody says, hey, here's an idea. Let's love some kids on the other side of the world who've got precious little, effectively nothing. Let's, let's send them a gift. Hey, we could do it. Oh, we'll need to put this together. There's truck drivers. There's administrators. There's people doing it. You guys are going to get a blessing when you go to Richmond Pentecostal with these boxes. Because I know last year when I went, they're all cheering like, like I did something great. And it's like, 
you know, I walked around. I said, yeah, I really did. <laughs> no, it's like this was our church. And I was humbled that I'm sort of getting the blessing of I got to be there and see these people that are so excited to receive the boxes that we sent there. And they've got, you know, a room full of them. But it's like we can do something for the glory of God. There will come a day we'll stand before the throne of God. And some of the kids that get these boxes who are going to hear the gospel, they're going to be there. And it's like, you know, this stuff will be long gone, but the gospel that is going to go with it is going to be the thing that's going to reverberate for eternity, and Jesus is going to get glory, and we're going to celebrate, and we're going to, we're going to delight in him because he did that. He did that in us and through us. Amen.